But Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for your presence. And God, we thank you, Lord God, that you were getting ready to jolt us, God. You were getting ready to awaken us, Lord God, in such a way where our lives will never be the same. God, during this season in our lives, Lord, you're not only calling us to deeper fellowship with yourself and deeper fellowship with one another, God, but you are awakening us to hear your voice, God, Lord God, and to see what you are doing in such a way that our life has to change. It has to change. We cannot remain the same. And even through Abba Conference, God, through Collide, through Abba University, Lord God, you are jolting us to see what you are doing in this world and to see our parts in it. So, Father, tonight we ask that you would awaken us to your word. Lord, awaken us to your word. Open our ears and open our eyes to see what it is you are, to hear what it is you are speaking, God, and to see what it is you are doing. We thank you for our Father in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, a couple years ago, I was coaching at Emory Secondary, and there was a, we had an inside practice because it was raining so much. And we were in the gym, and you know, the gym is a hard word floor. And so we're playing catch, but uh, the team, they, they weren't, let's just say, they weren't the best all right but they had heart right miss brenda they had a heart you know what i'm saying they had heart so we we're playing and uh you know we're, we're throwing the ball and you when the ball hits the ground like when it's on wood floor what does it do it skips right and if you're playing catch with kids that can't really catch that great you get a little nervous and so we're playing and we're working with pitchers and we're working on what we call the jump move so you're standing and you're in your, your pitcher stance right you come to the set position and it's called the jump move the guy's leading off at first base and you jump and you throw the ball to the first baseman to try to get him from leading and so we're playing this and we're, we're practicing this and there's a first baseman and he's there and we're on hardwood floor and one of the assistant coaches is acting like the runner he's diving back and so I'm like, all right, first baseman, they got this. this is easy. We're close. We're about, you know, 30 feet away. They can catch it. Well, we do it. A pitcher throws the ball. The, the assistant coach dives back towards the base. The kid misses the ball. The ball hits the ground and busts him in his nose. And at first, I'm like, all right, he's cool. I mean, this dude's a pretty tough guy. He was getting ready, training for the Marines. Like, he's pretty good. I look for about two more seconds, and all of a sudden, I see blood just dripping onto the ground. Just like, and I, I instantly, I'm like, okay, don't freak out. Like, I just, like, I knew if I would have freaked out, he would have been like, oh, snap, what's going, right? So I was like, I can't freak out. And so I'm like, all right, come on. I was like, hey, you know what? Um, yeah, you're dripping blood from your nose. Let's go to the office, okay? Let's go to the office. And you could tell he's like starting to get woozy. <laughs> and um, we sit down and I'm like looking through his phone. I'm like, all right, what's your mom's number? What's somebody's? I need to call somebody right now. And blood's still going. And all of a sudden his face begins to get pale. And I'm like, oh, Jesus, this ain't good. And I, I prayed for him right there. I was like, God, in the name of Jesus, like I'm just praying in the office, right? And I'm like, all right, dude, we're going to have to take you to the hospital. And I remember what someone told me when somebody's dripping blood, when somebody especially begins to be turned pale, you can't let them fall asleep because why they, they can slip into a coma. They can slip into a coma. And so I'm watching this boy, like blood is just dripping. Like it's just coming down. And, he, and he's like, he's like, uh, 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 can you look at it? Dude, is it all right? And he moves his hand and it's like, just turned to the side. I'm like, yeah, it's going to be cool, bro. Don't even trip. Like, we're going to get this worked out. We're going to take you to the hospital. It's going to be okay. I'm just trying to declare it by faith in Jesus' name. And all of a sudden, he's beginning to slip out. He's beginning to slip out. And I see his eyes beginning to close. And I looked at him, and I had to go to him. And I was like, wake up. Wake up. And I had to, like, kind of slap him in his face. And because the importance of not letting him fall asleep was far too great. 
the importance of not letting him doze off into this coma was far too great. I mean, I was going to cause him some pain for a second and I was going to yell in his ears for a moment and I was going to shake him for a moment and maybe even startle him and scare him. But it was necessary because if he fell asleep, he could possibly slip into a coma and maybe never wake up again. And many times in our lives with God, we're going into these areas where we're slipping into spiritual comas and we're falling asleep and God's screaming in our ear and he's saying, listen, wake up. Or God even comes up to us in the spirit and the situation begins to happen and we begin to get shaken and we're jolted and we're afraid. You know, I remember a time where Alethea was getting into something and Pastor Benjamin was like, Alethea, stop. And I saw her freak out like, but the danger of what she was about to get into was far too great for him to allow her to do that. So it wasn't time to be nice at that moment. It was time to protect his daughter. It was time to preserve her life. And there's a passage in Isaiah chapter 51 where Israel, they're in, they're in a spiritual coma. They're slipping into a spiritual coma. They're in bondage. They're in captivity. They're afraid that they're never going to again be able to go to Israel to worship in the temple. They're afraid that as a people, they've been dispersed and will never begin to worship as one voice. They're afraid that their whole sense of identity was being not only corrupted by the Babylonians, but it was going to be lost. And in Isaiah 51, the Lord has to jolt them out of the spiritual coma that they're getting ready to slip into through the prophet Isaiah. In Isaiah 51 verse 1, he says, listen to me. Listen to me. Listen to me, you who pursue righteousness and who seek the Lord. Look to the rock from which you were cut, the quarry from which you are hewn. Look to Abraham, your father, and look to Sarah, who gave you birth. The first thing the Lord speaks to them is listen. You see, a lot of times we're in this spiritual area where we're not doing well. In this area where we're not, we don't feel like we're thriving. We don't feel like, man, we're moving forward or there's no momentum going forward. And the first thing God has to do is call us to listen. As my friend was slipping into that coma, I was in his ear and I said, listen, listen to me, talk to me, talk to me, listen, shouting out him. And many times the spirit of the living God has to remind us, first of all, of the reality that as children of God, you have the ability to hear the voice of the father. As his children, you have been given the divine right to hear his voice. Isaiah in this passage is reminding Israel, look it, you guys are so afraid that you're going to lose your identity and sense of who you are, that you've lost the reality. You've lost touch with the truth that you can hear the spirit of God. You can hear the voice of God. You need to open your ears once again. Listen, you who pursue righteousness and you who seek the Lord, listen to what it is that I'm going to say. You know, a lot of times we're so familiar with the discouragement that we're hearing in our ears. We're so familiar with the voices of defeat that are, are, are constantly yelling at us. We're so familiar with the voices of failure and the voices of discomfort that we're experiencing that we don't, we don't recognize that in every moment of every day, in every situation and in every relationship, we have the divine right to be able to hear the spirit of the living God. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd and my sheep knows my voice and a stranger they will not follow. That means that as a sheep, one who belongs to the good shepherd, you do know his voice. It's not even a question. A lot of times I've talked to believers and I'm saying, what is God saying to you? Well, what do you mean by that? Okay. Well, what, what is the spirit of God speaking to your heart right now? Well, I don't, I don't really know if I can hear God's voice. No, you can hear God's voice because Jesus said you can hear his voice. What is he saying? What really is what they're saying when they're trying to answer that question is, 
I don't know how to drown out all the other voices that seem to be so loud in my ears. I don't know yet. I have not yet developed the discipline and the skill as a child of God to really recognize the voice of my father. You have to recognize that there are times where God is screaming and yelling in your ear. But it's being drowned out by all the other yellings and all the other screamings and all the other things that you've allowed yourself to become so familiar with. There was a time my father and my mother, when they were married, they got in a huge argument, a huge fight. And I wasn't born at the time, so I, you know, I'm just listening to his story. And he says, you know what? We got in a huge fight. Your mother was so mad at me. And, you know, she's like, it was his fault. It's always the guy's fault, right? Hey, man, just keep it real. And, um, and so he said, you know what? Your mom was so mad at me. She, she went out. She slammed the door. She's at the time. We had the little Volkswagen Beetle. You know what I'm saying? We, we, they, were, they were rolling deep. And he said that she got in the car. And then all of the sudden, he said, I saw an angel standing in the doorway. And I was sleeping, but I heard this first. I heard, listen. And then I woke up. And I looked, and there I saw this angel. And he just said, listen. And I was like, Dad, you saw an angel? He's like, yeah, but that's not the point, freak. He's like, the point is, the Lord spoke to me. The Lord spoke to me. He's like, God spoke to me because he foresaw the danger that can happen. You may not even be here, Joseph, if the Lord didn't quicken me and awaken me to his voice. You may not even be in existence. See, there's some things that God is desiring to bring into existence in your life. And your, your, your ears are so cluttered. And you're starting to doze off into the sleep. That until you allow him, his voice to become familiar. Until you allow that jolt to take place. You could, you're potentially dozing off to a place where those things that he's desiring to bring into existence in your life may never be. And that's for me what's so exciting about the vision that God gave Pastor Benjamin when he spoke Abba you in his heart. That he was going to be a prophet to the academic world. And the Lord was going to begin to transform. He could begin, begin to get so discouraged in all of the situations that were going on. And everything that seemed like a failure. And every disappointment. And every letdown. And every obstacle that seemed like the, the, to cause this vision to never come into pass. He could allow that to discourage him. But one thing he chose to do was not to allow the voice of the Lord to be drowned out. He chose, he refused. You know, there's a quote um, from the movie Glory Road. Have you guys ever seen Glory Road? Man, I love that's one of my favorite movies. The first team, the first NCAA basketball team to start five African Americans, and they won the NCAA uh, tournament, the national tournament. And there's one thing that the coach said they were fighting, they were playing as a team of whites and blacks together, and pretty soon the pressure got hot. They started getting discouraged. They were getting death threats. The voices of the enemy, the voices of death, the voices of discouragement, the voices of disillusionment, the voices of fear begin to become so loud. A lot of them said, man, it's not even worth it. Why even go back on that court? Why even pick up my Bible? Why even get back in the prayer closet? Why even show up to service? Why even fellowship and build relationship with other believers? The discouragement, these voices became so loud. A lot of them said, you know what? We're done. Like, we don't want to go back on their court. And I remember there was one thing that, that the coach said to them that was on the court. And he said, we don't back down ever. We don't back down ever. And he was talking about a basketball principle when they're on the court, but it applied to every aspect of their life. That voice had to jolt them out of the moments where they felt insecure, out of the moments where they felt fearful, out of the moments where they felt discouraged and as if they had to give up and could not keep going. The reality that we don't back down ever had to become louder. 
That voice had to become louder. And tonight I want to ask you the question, what is the Lord saying to you? What is the Lord speaking to you? You know, I've been talking with a number of guys this week and last week. And from about five men, specific husbands, other men in the congregation, they've shared with me. Man, I just want to build relationship with other people in the body of Christ right now. Man, I just want to go deeper in relationship with people. I want to have deep conversations about God. I, I want to enjoy fellowship time together. Not just where we're hanging out, but where we talk and our hearts begin to connect. I, I want to go to someone's house and stay there late at night. And then it turns into a prayer session or it turns into a time where we end by singing songs. I don't want to just have conversations about sports and baseball and basketball and football. I want to go deeper. And when I hear that, my ear begins to turn to the voice of the Lord. I begin to get quickened and I hear the voice of God saying, listen, listen, what am I speaking? I'm speaking that I want hearts to begin to burn for me. I'm speaking through these men and through the voices that are beginning to be released in this congregation. What it sounds like, though, in the natural is that people are disgruntled. What it sounds like in the natural is that things may not seem to be going right. What it sounds like in the natural is that we as a church community aren't facilitating opportunities for people to have relationships. And I looked at one of my friends that I was talking to and I said, you know what? You need to begin to turn that grumbling into a prophetic declaration. What it's not is that you're just discontented. What it is is that the Lord's stirring up something inside of you. And, you know, when you eat something at first and it doesn't settle right. That acid begins to go into your throat, and that's what it feels like. It begins to feel like, ooh, that's a nasty taste. And then you spew it out, and all of a sudden you're like, wow, this feels good. What the Lord is doing, he's churning some things inside of your stomach. He's churning some things inside of your stomach because he has to let those things begin to be spewed out. So that way you now have room for what he wants to fill it with. Some of you are feeling a little discontent. And you're feeling like, man, I just want to connect. I want to build. Well, the Lord is doing, he's stirring something inside of you. If you'll begin to listen to his voice, you'll begin to hear through the different voices in the, in the congregation what it is that God is doing. And what it is that he's doing is he's turning hearts to burn for one another and to burn for him. He's bringing about fellowship. And the Lord had to remind Israel. He said, listen, the prophet comes to me. He says, listen. Listen, those of you who seek the Lord and pursue righteousness, you need to awaken your ears because right now, again, you're hearing all these other voices. You're hearing the Babylonians tell you you can't. You're hearing your own people saying we'll never get into freedom. We'll never experience the land that God has called us to experience. But the word of the Lord is saying, listen tonight. He who has an ear, hear what the spirit of the Lord is saying. And I want to open your ears. I want you to open your heart to say, Lord, what is it that you're saying right now? What is it that you're speaking? As Pastor Benjamin's been talking about being reunited with our vision, really recapturing it and allowing it to burn in our hearts to experience the presence of God. What is the Lord speaking? The Lord saying, I want to overwhelm this house with my presence so much, so much where your schedules get thrown out the window, so much where your day to day begins to become invaded with my itinerary for it. I want to begin to fill this house with so much of an encounter with who I am, where your life has to shift and your life has to change. What you hear becomes different and the lens from which you look through becomes different. The question is, do you hear the voice of God saying that tonight? Or are the familiar voices of discouragement, disillusionment, discontentment, grumbling, are they so loud that it's drowning out the voice of God? And second, the Lord says to them, look. He says, look to the rock from which you were cut. 
the quarry from which you were hewn. Look to Abraham, your father, and to Sarah who gave you birth. He had to remind them, look, right now in the midst of not only hearing all the garbage, you have to be jolted out of the experience of your situation right now. Right now, you're experiencing bondage. You're experiencing, you're experiencing things that cause you to feel as if you're being pulled back from my purpose and plan from you. Right now, your situation seems like decrease. Right now, your situation is telling you that you'll never prosper and that you'll never move forward. Your experience is speaking all of these things to you. But I have to remind you to look. To take your eyes off of what it is that you're experiencing. Take it, your eyes off of what is temporarily, temporarily right in front of you. And remind you to look back from the place from which I called you. I have to jolt you. Like my friend, I had to tell him. His eyes begin to slip off into a daze. And I had to say, look at me, bro. Look at me. And I had to shake him and even move his head to where he looked in my eyes and he saw me. And the Spirit of God this, this, this night is speaking to some of you to say, look. Look to the place from which I called you. Look to the place from which I brought you to. Look to the vision that Jesus had for the church. You know, as Pastor Benjamin shared about you want to see the world change, you need to see the church change first. That's a very biblical reality. God's desire in changing the world was first calling a people to himself that would be a light among the nations. You know, I often think as I was watching um, a documentary from Martin Luther King about Martin Luther King a couple weeks ago. I often think how different the world would have been if before MLK ever had to step up, if before he was even ever born, if the church in America recognized there is an ethnical segregation that is taking place here. And we know what the law and we know what the government says. But we know that the Bible says that every nation, every tribe, and every tongue will worship Jesus. We know that, that Ephesians tells us that he destroyed the dividing barrier between Jew and Gentile. I wonder what would have happened if the church rose together and said, I don't care if you're black, white, blue, green, or purple. In Christ, we're one. So guess what? Today, we're going to church today. And if they won't let us go into the building, then guess what? We're going to have church at home today. And if they won't let us have church in our homes, then guess what? We're going to have church in the park today. Despite what race we are, despite what ethnicity we are, despite what language we are, what would the world, how would the world have responded? If it didn't take, if it wasn't necessary for the governmental laws to enforce that change, but the church began to inscribe it on their hearts and they began to live it. How different would the world have been? How different would the church in America have been if they say it is biblical reality that in Christ we are one despite our ethnicity. So I don't care what the government says. We're going to worship God together on Sunday mornings. We're going to sit and they may not let us eat in a restaurant, but who cares? We're going to sit in that restaurant and we'll be in prison together as brother and brother or as sister and sister. Jesus wasn't looking to create an institution. Four walls or a school where people can come and be gathered together and receive great teaching. He was looking to start a movement that would transform the world, not just for movement's sake, but it would transform the world because it was a living organism. It was a body that was living and the lives that it would touch are lives that are living. So in very essence of itself, it could not stand still. In very essence of itself, it could not be caged. In very essence of itself, it could not be confined to walls because people are living beings and his church is a living organism that's fueled through the life of the spirit. How different would the world have looked? How different will our situation look if we begin to look to the place from which we're cut, the quarry from which we're hewn? 
A lot of us, we look at our situations and we're saying it's impossible. These things can't be changed. You see, what happened is just like what was happening in Israel. We get caught up in what the business world calls the whirlwind of our day. You know, a lot of times when, when struggling CEOs or major leaders in, in corporations or even in churches, one of the major frustrations that they struggle with is I can't get away from the day-to-day things, the mundane, the stuff that keeps me uh, just confined to what it is that's going on right in front of me. And I remember when I first began to understand this was when Pastor Benjamin would travel and he would share with me when he comes, came back from overseas and he would say, man, I'm just so revived with vision. I'm so refueled with vision, man. When I was off in in Ethiopia or when I was off in Indonesia, the spirit of God spoke these things to me. And he would often say, I have to sometimes get outside of what is happening. And this, this is the same thing, man. That's not a business principle. That's a biblical reality. The Lord was reminding Israel, get outside of the whirlwind, get outside of your bondage, get outside of your experience at this moment, step outside to begin to see what I'm doing. Look to the rock from which you were cut. Look to the quarry from which you were hewn. Look to your, your father, Abraham. See, that's what happened with John on the island of Patmos. God did not change his situation. God did not move him physically. What the Lord did was he took him up in the spirit. He was in the same geographical location, the same situation that he was experiencing, probably even the same emotional state in which he was before the Lord showed him that vision. But in the spirit, the Lord took him up. The Lord helped him to look, to see what it was that God was doing in his presence, to see what it was that God was doing in the throne room. And some of you right now, you're feeling like, well, I just can't get out of this spot. I can't take a day off. It's not about taking a day off. It's not about going on a vacation. It's not about leaving your family for a moment or getting a babysitter. It's not about getting out of your house or getting out of the situation that it's in. It's about you looking, looking to what it is that God is doing right now in this situation, in this moment, in this time. What is it that the spirit of God is doing? What is it that the spirit of God is speaking? A lot of times you're thinking, God, well, just please take me out of this situation. And God said, my goal is not to take you out. It's to lead you through. If I take you out, you'll never grow. If I take you out, you'll never be pressed into seeing and to hearing what it is that I'm declaring. You keep asking me to take you out. You're never going to experience the maturity that I desire for you to experience. But what you can do in the midst of your whirlwind is you can look. You can look. You can get in my presence and begin to ask father what it is that you are doing. Father, what are you doing right now? Father, I can't leave my wife. I'm in the house. It's midnight. And if I walk, leave the house, she'll be pretty upset with me. But I could sit right here in my bed. And in the spirit, I can let you take me into the heavenlies. I can let you take me into your throne room. And I can let you sit me down on your throne. Sit me down on your lap and watch what you're doing in the spirit, Father. And then I can take what I saw and I can begin to apply it to my life right when I wake up. At six or seven in the morning. What is it that the spirit of the Lord is doing? What is it that the spirit of God is saying? And why does he remind them to look to Abraham? Because when God called Abraham, he was nothing. When God called Abraham, he was nothing. He was nothing. He was impotent. He didn't have the ability to produce offspring. He didn't have the capability in himself to bring about the vision, the great vision that God had for him. Abraham could not do it. Matter of fact, Abraham in the natural was an extreme failure. He heard God, began to obey, and then disobeyed, was rebellious, 
lied, cheated. In the natural, he was a failure and he was impotent. But see, in the spirit, God saw him as a father of generations. In the spirit, God saw him as one that would impact millions to come. Abraham, it's because of Abraham that God has given us the vision of Living Hope Christian Center. It's because of Abraham that Abba, you exist. It's because of Abraham that we have the opportunity to travel around the nations and travel around the world. It's because of Abraham. And what God is constantly bringing us back to is to remind us. So you think you're messed up now, man? Try being Abraham. Try being born into a pagan country. Being born around people that worship idols. And you having to be the only one to step out, hear my voice, and take the risk of stepping into something you've never experienced. And no one around you have ever experienced. He said, man, look, that's how I started. And you think I can't do something with you that's established in a church that has powerful teaching, that has years of ministry being poured into you from service after service that you're sitting in, who has actual Bible that you can read and hear my voice and know it. Man, look to the rock from which you were cut, man. I brought you from a rock that had nothing. You see, when Abraham looked at himself and this was our theme for this for the summer for VBS. When God saw Abraham, he saw generations. But when Abraham looked at himself, he saw one. And he was constantly complaining because he was looking from the perspective that, God, you haven't given me a son. You haven't given me nothing. Who is my inheritance going to go to? God, I see myself as one. And the Lord had to remind him, no, 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 Abraham, you were a father of many nations. You were a father of generations. Some of you right now, you're saying, God, but I don't have anything right now. I don't have the skills, God. I don't have that sense of calling. Lord, I'm not desiring that fellowship right now, God. I don't want that vision yet, God. I'm not experiencing that yet, God. I just see myself and trying to live as a Christian and hopefully be victorious if I can. And God said, man, if you will just listen and you will just look, you will recognize that I don't just see you, but I see generations. I see the generations that are going to come to me through your offspring in the spirit. I see the generations whose lives are going to profess my name. I see ones that are going to break curses over nations. I see ones that are going to transform communities. I see ones that are going to be mothers and fathers who raise up their children in the fear and the love of God. I see world changers in you. Can you get your eyes off of yourself? And can you look to Abraham, your father? Can you look from the rock from which you were cut? Can you look to the quarry from which you are hewn? I want to challenge you tonight to do two things, to listen and to look. To allow the spirit of God to jolt you out of any sense of spiritual coma that you feel like you're slipping into. That's not a reality. The reality is that you are destined for multitudes. This is a powerful house. Each of you are powerful sons and daughters. And you have been destined by God even before you were born To do good works that God has prepared in advance for you to do. Each of you are leaders. You see yourself and you see one. Each of you are leaders of multitudes. The word of the Lord to us that one of us would be like a mighty nation. That one, the least of us would be like a mighty nation. And one of us would be like what? Thousands. Thousands. You need to get your eyes off what you're seeing right now. Get your ears out of what you're hearing right now. And to allow the spirit of God to jolt you. Allow him to awaken you tonight. Father, tonight we ask in the name of Jesus that our ears would begin to be open, Father, to what it is that you are speaking. God, that never will it be said of us that we don't know what it is the Lord is saying. 
We are sons. We are daughters, God, who have been given the right and the privilege to hear your voice, to know your word, to meditate on it, to begin to study it and to allow your spirit to ingrain it in our hearts and our minds. And Father, I declare of your sons and daughters, they are going to hear the voice of God. You are going to hear the voice of God and it is going to be clear. It is going to be clear. You are going to hear the voice of God. When you study the scriptures, the spirit of God is going to inscribe it on your heart and mind. You are not going to struggle to memorize the word of God because the spirit of God is going to inscribe it on your heart and on your mind. You are going to hear the voice of God. You're not going to question what to do in the situations that you're facing at work because the voice of the Lord is going to come to you with clarity. The voice of the Lord is going to come to you with clarity. When you look at your situation, when you look at what it is that you're going through right now, and when you look at where it is that we are as a church, you're not going to see what the natural portrays. You are going to see what it is that the spirit of the living God is doing. You're going to begin to see hearts ablaze. I declare it in the name of Jesus. You are going to begin to see fellowship breaking out in homes and on streets. You are going to begin to see your house filled with worship. You are going to begin to see your families worshiping the Lord God Almighty. You are going to begin to see your deserts as the places where Eden begins to come to life. Where the fellowship and intimacy with God begins to spring up. Spirit of the living God, I just declare release right now of your presence. And release, Lord, to the ears. As a, as a worship team is playing, I want you just to take a moment and begin to open your ears. And I want to take a moment to allow the voice of God to become clear to us tonight. I want us to take a moment to begin to allow the voice of God to become clear to us tonight. God, I declare silence to the lies. Silence to the discouragement, God. Silence to those voices that have become familiar, Lord God, and drowned out your voice. And Father, tonight I declare clarity in hearing your voice in Jesus' name.